Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Big 5D podcast. I'm your host, Charles Laughlin, co-founder and content director of Big 5 Digital. So this episode features a conversation with Martin Majland, who's co-founder and CEO of SkyGarden. So SkyGarden is a Nairobi-based company that recently raised $4 million to grow the company, which is most easily described as a Shopify-like platform for online sellers in East Africa. Martin and his co-founders set out to solve the challenge of selling online, getting paid, and then getting your goods safely to their destination. Currently operating in Kenya, the company has ambitions to expand further within East Africa and eventually to West Africa. It's another interesting conversation about building a small business-facing tech company in Africa. But before we get there, we want to quickly thank our newest Big Five sponsor. Matchcraft is a global MarTech company known for its Advantage platform that powers local search, social, and display campaigns. Matchcraft has just launched a new solution called Powered By that productizes its suite of APIs, giving third-party platforms access to the technology behind its flagship Advantage platform. To learn more, check them out at matchcraft.com. Now we hope you enjoy this interview with Martin from SkyGarden. Martin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Good to see you. So your uh, company is called SkyGarden, and we're going to get into what that is. Um, but you're, you're, we're, I'm interviewing you in Denmark. You're about to uh, uh, pack up and uh, head to Nairobi with your family. Um, but I'm always interested in, you know, when an expat founder uh, gets involved in an Africa startup, kind of what, what, what was the story that led you to an interest in, in investing in or launching a business in Africa? So could you give us the sort of uh, abridged version of that? Absolutely, I'll, I'll try to. And it's actually, yeah, it's a it's a very long story, and then there's the short model uh, of the short version. But uh, uh, I've been working for a decade and a half or so before founding SkyGarden uh, within a management consultancy, advertising, and then uh, lastly, I was uh, heading up global tech at a pretty big Danish company called Carlsberg. So uh, they it's a brewery. Um, I've had it a few times. Uh, I guess you you've probably had. Uh, yeah. So um, yeah, I was uh, I was traveling quite a lot um, with Carlsberg in Asia, and I was really amazed about how uh, some of uh, the markets out there they 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 leapfrog from from industrial societies to uh, directly into the digital age uh, with technology over yeah five to ten years. Um, uh, and at the same time, uh, we struggled at Carlsberg immensely with the one brewery that we had on the continent and actually ended up uh, shutting it down and not understanding distribution, payment and, and the market. Um, and, and then this is where this, the long story becomes short. Uh, one of my uh, vendors, uh, Christian Kubek, uh, today now my co-founder, he called me and and had this idea about stripping down e-commerce to the basics. So how, how can you take away all the, the fancy the stuff of, of e-commerce and apply it as, as, as business uh, to businesses that normally don't access and are able to reap the benefits of e-commerce? Um, and at that time, you know, back to uh, the ideas I had about, you know, things not working in Africa and, and what I saw happening in Asia, I said, great, then that's, Let's do something and let's do it in Africa. Uh, I had been in safari at Kenya uh, 25 years ago and he had never uh, been uh, south of Europe. So uh, so I think people thought we were idiots, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, 
that's only true if you if, if you prove them right right so <laughs> that, that is correct <laughs> no and again then of course we we, we looked at we, we 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 did we did quite a lot of research um, and quickly recognized that uh, either we could go in from the east or from the west um nigeria is a monster uh, and and uh, i think from people who's entered Nigeria, we, we also quickly realized that uh, you don't want to enter Nigeria underfunded. Uh, so, so we looked at Ghana, we looked at Kenya. So that's where, you know, the bigger tech corporations were at that point of time. Mm-hmm. Um, looked at where we could access uh, talent, uh, where we could work with um, governments that are uh, more eager to play with uh, startups uh, than other governments um, so i think mm-hmm. and then at the end uh, kenya was also from a time time zone uh, perspective it made sense for us okay so and i know your, your founding team is yourself and your uh, original partner from both from denmark and then there's two uh kenyan founders and so how did you connect with them and how did that team get formed yeah i think um from day one we knew that if we were ever going to solve a, a, a local uh, problem uh, we would not we couldn't be arrogant enough to think we could actually solve it from the north uh, i think the the mindset we had from from day one was that we should bring in some some experience uh, from from european e-commerce um, and then find some really really talented local guys where we could build the company with them uh, and then build it from the ground and up uh, so today we are i think 37 people on the payroll and, and christian and myself are the only ones uh, and non-Kenyan, uh, the rest uh, are operating out of uh, our Kenyan office in Nairobi. Okay. So am I in 10 days from now. <laughs> Soon enough, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, okay, so let's kind of get into the um, details of, of Sky Garden. Could you, could you give, I mean, I've written about it on the newsletter. You, you had a funny run recently, that which I want to get to. Um, but what is sort of the fundamental business you know what are the pain points you're trying to address what was the missing thing that you're trying to create with skyguard yes i think when when we um when we <clears throat> did our market research back in 2016 uh, we we quickly understood that e-commerce uh, in sub-saharan africa really was catering uh, built for for the large brands and for the higher net individuals who could buy quality brands. Uh, and there wasn't really bu- anything built for, for the smaller retailers uh, who had lots of stock but couldn't access uh, the online economy. Um, no, really, uh, for, for the mass market or the consumer mass market. Um, I think at that point of time, uh, trust was really something that hadn't been uh, built uh, in e-commerce uh, at, uh, in the market. So what we really looked at was how could we build growth technology for uh, the SMEs? How could we build a distribution model, um, model uh, that uh, was safe and secure and, and, and where, where we made sure that if anything broke in the, in the ecosystem, then uh, at least the consumers would get the money back uh, and we would hold them uh, or basically uh, hold them safe. And then finally, uh, yeah, how could we, how could we work with with digital payments uh, that um, is somewhat different from uh, the digital payments that we know from 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 the West, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, really, also understanding that yeah, the payment infrastructure uh, is run by I don't know how much 
uh, I should go into differences, but uh, there are some fundamental differences as an e-commerce in, in SSA compared to, to the West at least. And that is uh, the uh, mobile money operators being right. uh, the big t- uh, fintechs or the, uh, the financial institutions, right? And, and just because you don't have postal offices uh, not working doesn't mean that you don't have uh, an extreme agility in distribution. So you have the Boda Boda networks being the motorbikes waiting on every street corner to pick something or someone up. Uh, so that we also quickly localize these guys as a, as a massive opportunity. Um, yeah, and then building it all in one platform. Uh, now so let's, I got there's several piece parts to this. I want to kind of get to them and we're sort of doing a bridged rundown yep. of all of them. But let's start with the Boda Boda networks. And that's your distribution. How, when you first looked at how are we going to solve the distribution piece, what was your original? Was your original idea to use that network or was... Did you did you originally think you had to create your own infrastructure? What was, how did you get to that decision? Yeah. It seems like a unique piece of what you do is is how you tap into those existing distribution networks. Exactly, I think uh, the initial idea, and that's also still part, of, very much part of our strategy, is that we don't want to be a completely asset light model. So we don't want to own our own fleet. We don't want to touch the money. Uh, we don't want to warehouse any products. So it's basically applying technology. Uh, uh, on top of how business is done. I think one of the Achilles heels of being uh, not necessarily a first mover, but being early on tech in a greenfield market of opportunity is that you have to build uh, <laughs> everything yourself, more or less, right? Um, and this is where where the distribution part is a central key for, for a platform, as you said, uh, where we both are building capabilities for, for the Boda Boda companies to tap into our technology if they are not tech enabled, but also now with the large investments in the, uh, uh, in the distribution sector. So Sandy raised, I think 25 million uh, last year. And it's quite a lot of investment going into uh, the Boda Boda companies right now. Mm-hmm. These guys are also becoming uh, heavy tech enabled now. And, and now we're, we're seeing more of, of partnerships in tech rather than us building uh, technology towards them. Uh, more integration yeah. than, than exactly. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, there's companies like Safe Boda out there that are, um, you know, growing pretty rapidly, expanding into different markets, etc. Omni um, Truck, Get Boda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots of them. Yeah. Right. Right. So um, let's talk about the merchant. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned a few use cases, but let's talk about what is your, if it's, if it exists, what is your typical merchant on the, is it a retail seller who wants to extend into e-commerce? Is it a pure e-commerce player? You know, all of the above and kind of range of size, just give us a feeling for who uses this platform and then what they had. And was this replacing anything or is this their original e-commerce play? Yeah. I think uh, the, 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 uh, the, the sellers or the merchants that we built the platform for was based on the notion that the informal economy uh, in SSA is so massive. So I think in Kenya, it's 80% of the economy, which is being driven by the informal sector. So uh, we always, uh, with a smile, say that we've built Sky Garden for the, for, for the guys with a side hustle. So everybody has a side hustle, so they, they can move something to, to earn an extra uh, buck. Today, I think we're much more than just a side hustle. Uh, but again, all the tools uh, built in Skygun is really supporting uh, the, the smaller merchants where they, I think, have one thing in common. So the pain point we identified was really uh, the cash flow and access to stock. 
so not having to take away their stock and making sure that they would get paid the second they sold something. I think that's a problem Skygarden was to solve from day one. And we've built, a, so yeah, our tech stack is built around a, a virtual wallet that we are giving any seller onboarding the platform. Uh, where they easily can upload their uh, stock uh, online prices, do their own campaigns, they can bridge with their own customers. A lot of them are very digital savvy, but simply haven't been able to uh, bridge uh, their own communications via uh, digital channels with mm -hmm. fulfillment. And this is where we bridge the gap uh, and then make sure every time they have a sale, they can access the funds directly. Um, one of our competitors today, what they did back in the days was, uh, you know, requesting to get the stock into a central warehouse and then they wait uh, four to, to eight weeks before they would get reconciled when they actually sold something. Okay. Um, so you're, you're, you're shortening their time to, uh, to payment from weeks to moments or days at least, or yeah. Okay. Yeah. Minutes, minutes, whatever. Yeah. yeah. So, so my, my first, well, I have many thoughts, but my first thought is, one of the barriers you're over, trying to overcome is trust, right? Um, you're, or you're trying to provide a trust layer that may not have been there. Could you talk about that a little bit and kind of, and is that a, a process to win that trust with, with your merchants and, and the consumers and, and what's that like? Yeah, I think um, in an ultimate scenario, so what we really wanted to build to begin with was a Shopify for Africa uh, solution. You know, I so, was going to ask you if you compare yeah. yourself more to Shopify or Amazon. Exactly. So <laughs> thank it's, you for, it's, for getting there before I thank you, ask thank that you. awkward question. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, and it, this is because our focus all along has been to to really provide great technology for 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 the merchants, right? Mm -hmm. So we see us definitely see ourselves more as a Shopify um, uh, kind of version where we then plug the distribution model directly into it. Mm -hmm. um because we have again was said before we had to build some of the infrastructure which wasn't uh, present right mm -hmm. um the marketplace is is uh it's like a it, it that's that that was the missing piece from a trust component so um we weren't able to build the shopify model uh, because people would never go and buy something of a smaller guy if they didn't know who he was you know if right. you have a fundamental belief that you will get screwed over if you buy something online unless someone or something protects you in the transaction that right. would never fly so for us the marketplace i hope one day we won't necessarily see a skygarden marketplace so this is purely a know having a brand behind the small guys to protect the transaction uh, right. and that's uh, that's um, basically how we've we've dealt with the trust issue so where shopify think, is essentially transparent uh to the consumer exactly yeah. and that would be the brand to watch the consumer right mm -hmm. okay all right so um your merchants again there there's a range but there tend to be it, it went from the side hustler to the more pure uh more full-time online seller um but just a little more color on who they are because you know are there a lot of for example you read a lot about you know people doing crafts and and creating things like you know uh needing a, a, an outlet but then there's other people who are just kind of doing like what people on shopify do which is you know you you, you, you find goods and then you sell them online it's, it's just a pure commercial exercise is is it the full spectrum on your um on your platform of those types of sellers it is the full spectrum but we definitely see those who 
to move both volumes or also those who have access to some level of stock. It can either be home crafted. So we have quite a lot of uh, uh, Kenyan made, made uh, both uh, could be anything from crafted furniture to uh, beauty products to, to yeah, stuff like that. Uh, mm -hmm. Then we have quite a lot of uh, uh, small, smaller sellers, uh, but not no side houses, but uh, um, I don't know how, how well you know uh, Nairobi, but there's a, a big there. area. Yeah, so mm -hmm. CBD, so the central business district where you have mm -hmm. thousands of small retailers where they have you know, access to some stock that they've imported uh, or either they have access uh, to it through a distributor or they've imported themselves from, from China, Middle East or Europe. Mm -hmm. um, these guys before were, were fully dependent on, on uh, footfall and competing against the, you know, the next door neighbor with whatever they had of inventory. Uh, what they're using Sky Garden for now is really uh, to to access the entire domestic market of Kenya. Okay, so and it is within Kenya. Th this trade is all occurring within Kenya. This is not a really an international Cur play at this. Point. Currently, yes, but uh, part of the race is uh, is also to show that the model can cross borders. We'll, we'll get to that in a second. Um, <laughs> I do want to ask about the race. So um, and and okay, so. And the other thing I'm curious about is what else does your platform enable? Because a lot of platforms, they start by you know, helping them sell or helping them accept payments and then adding on services on there to become more of a platform for the small business. Are you approaching that the same way and talk about that a little bit? Yes, we are. Um, uh, building an infrastructure for, for sellers that are normally not banked is of course a, an interesting play for us. So we have thousands of smaller sellers now where we start look at their transaction history, um, and what kind of goods they move, when they move it, and what kind of access to working capital that they also have. So, so financial products is of course something of interest now, looking mm -hmm. at the, the seller side, uh, but also on the consumer side of, of things. Um, um, the wallet that we have can be used to pay utilities and a lot of other stuff there as well. So uh, we also do see quite a lot of ad service being brought into the platform to the consumers as well. Uh, some things we have, but uh, something is also in the cooking right now. Okay. So you have a roadmap of, of services that can be sort of added on to build a, a bigger platform out. So, yeah, I mean, I can see you helping, like, you know, helping the small business again, yeah, with the sort of managing the financial side of their business accessing capital could even see like some some marketing tools and things like that uh, exactly so we have just to mention a few of the products that we do have so you can access marketing uh uh through uh, through loans but also you can buy it directly and have us uh, uh, execute on the marketing but at a so much easier and at a much lower cost than if they had to go to to, to facebook for example and understand how to do digital marketing themselves um right then uh, we have uh, uh, we have a loan product where, based on your uh, transaction history, you can loan and repay uh, over time through the wallet. Um, and we're looking into, of course, insurance as well as we know what kind of inventory and stock. That they right, have. right, right. Well, it is an advantage to sit on top of their uh, their transactions and the, and the payment flow that you really get a, a great sense of the, the credit worthiness of a business. So exactly. But you same same with any payments uh, provider. Um, Okay, so, so that's interesting. Now, let's talk about the international. Well, let's talk about the raise because I guess that leads to the international discussion. So you raised $4 million recently. 
I had one observation about, I kind of looked at the investors and I had an observation that I don't know if, if it's valid or not. And it's that a lot of them were sort of, at least in terms of the, the, the language they use to describe their their uh, investment thesis, they tend to favor like impact driven businesses or businesses that um, are solving a, you know, a, a social need. So here I have a few thoughts about that. And I talked to a lot of companies that would qualify as sort of impact driven companies that have raised, you know, decent rounds of, of capital. Is that story important to raising money? Um, that may sound a little bit cynical, but I mean, I'm curious. No, and I definitely understand the question. And I'm also, I think I have to be mindful about how I answer that question. Uh, that's fair. Uh, but, but you understand uh, why I ask it. <laughs> I, I understand it. Yeah. No, and, and I think the short answer is yes. So we also, so yeah, we, we also come out of, so the first race we did uh, uh, was also out of uh, impact. We joined an impact uh, accelerator as well uh, after our seed round. Um, um, and, and I think to us, so one thing is the story that you communicate, but another thing is actually also the, uh, the self-belief that you, you know, uh, the kind of company that you build and the kind of talent that you attract. And I think it's, it's been a part of our core DNA since day one, that uh, the entire, you know, empowerment of the entrepreneur uh, is, it's, it's, it's so strong that it's not something that's ever gonna make us diverse from the focus that we have. Um, but then back to your question, um, I think you see in, especially in, yeah, in, in, in sub-Saharan Africa that uh, it's almost impossible these days to raise early stage money without having a powerful impact story. So you need to solve some kind of SDG. Or, or, uh, there's very little uh, high risk capital available uh, if you don't have uh, some kind of impact uh, around your core business. But then, you know, when post seed round and before series A, you'll see a, a pretty massive uh, vacuum. And then it's like, what's the scale story? <laughs> exactly, because then, you know, uh, sorry guys to those listening out there, if you are VCs, but, uh, but uh, the impact story still has to be there, but it's a pure numbers game. So uh, so okay. you're not gonna raise a dime if you can't show scale and if you can't oh, show a unit. Exactly. that's more impact driven. And uh, I mean, that makes perfect sense. As you get into the A, B, C, D rounds, then it's like, you know, what's the path to a billion plus revenue? That's it. And of course, it, uh, uh, of course, it makes sense. But, uh, but, you know, you have more impact, the bigger you get, presumably. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I, the reason I, I ask is my original thought when I started looking at this was, oh, that might be, you know, if it's too earnest, maybe that, you know, the, the cold, you know, Ice water in the veins VCs would, would find that uninteresting. But I think what's happening, I think the story gets the business off the ground, but ultimately it has to prove itself as a scalable business. I think that's a, a fair way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about your, um, you know, you, part of your, you know, the raise is to, to support expansion internationally. You've identified, well, you're in Kenya. You've identified it. You, I'm sorry, remind me, have you, you have not moved into Uganda yet, right? No, we have not. So we actually do see some activity on our platform in uh, Uganda and Wanda. Uh, mm -hmm. Although we haven't set up 
Okay. Yeah, I mean, infrastructure there. So okay, uh, but the point is, you, you've, you've identified Uganda, and then more sort of further down the road, uh, Ghana and, and Nigeria, as your roadmap for international expansion. What? Um, now, is this sort of exponentially more com complicated if you're doing this across multiple borders? <laughs> Talk about how much harder the business is when you have, or do you simply just set up shop in these uniquely in these each market? But then what is the scale advantage of doing it that way? So talk about the smart way of doing international expansion and why it's so difficult. Yeah, so I think, uh, again, um, our model is very asset light, uh, uh, mm -hmm. you know, not not owning our fleet and not uh, having to touch the products uh, is giving us a lot of advantages uh, in different markets. Um, but of course, we're looking at growth drivers where it's not necessarily us being uh, on the ground either. But of course, there will be markets where we do need uh, some physical footprint. We do need uh, to set up uh, customer service, set up um, a partnership with uh, with uh, uh, different uh, distribution networks, and of course uh, set up the payment uh, part. But the uh, payment part is something we of course can do uh, from from anywhere, right? Any all platforms have have a platform dilemma. So you need uh, you need a critical mass of inventory, and then you need uh, to build a brand. Um, yeah. A lot of the brand building doesn't have to be uh, done uh, locally. Uh, that's a, a more of a group or regional exercise. Um, so, so well, this is what do, you, what, do you, what do you do for brand building? I mean, do you have to do a lot of digital marketing? Um, talk about that just for a second. Yeah. So so far, we've uh, almost purely been doing digital marketing. Uh, but again, that uh, limits us or limits our brand very much to be an uh, urban uh, play only, as, uh, as there's also a clear correlation between um, uh, urban consumers and uh, and uh, uh, marketing consumption uh, on, on digital platforms. Mm -hmm. So part of the race now is also really to uh, go into traditional media, which I uh, thought I would never do with a digital <laughs> platform. Yeah. But but yeah. but I but I am, and there's this saying that you know uh, it ain't true until it's in TV. Apparently, you know, uh, um, a lot of uh, the consumers don't trust us enough uh, if we are a pure digital play, uh, and, mm -hmm. and that's part of it. And we'll also see the same going into new markets. That uh, in order to be trusted, we we need to bring some muscle in, and that's a that's a marketing game. So, is it, I mean, is it even things like billboards? I mean, do you really get down into the nitty gritty of? Yep, yep, yep. We 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 actually did some billboards last year, and 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 got. I think we divided the waters quite a lot. Uh, we we made some things uh, that we knew had worked out of uh, Europe before, and uh, and the Kenyans, they you know half of the population or half of the people seeing it thought it was crap and the other half thought it was great. So I think well, that's they all noticed, right? <laughs> there, that's, I think, the objective with all uh, marketing. Uh, you know, if we all agree that it's good, then it's bad to me. So right. Uh, right. It, has to, it has to create a, a response of some sort. Even a has. negative response is a response. OK, so so that's interesting. I guess I really I mean, I thought it had occurred to me that that would be necessary, but I didn't realize how important it would be, um, especially because, yeah, you're who knows you in Nigeria, right? I mean, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and, I think um, yeah. this is also where we differ from from Shopify because yeah. uh, the, the pure Shopify play, the individual brand is putting in their own efforts on the marketing part. Uh, but right. again, there you have trust to e-commerce in general. So right now, because we are very premature in e-commerce, we still need to change or drive behavioral change in these markets. And that's where it becomes a marketing play. And uh, the audience for this now, 
for digital, I mean, is there a different, is digital marketing about driving merchant activity or is it also about driving consumer activity? I'm guessing that the traditional is just pure brand awareness, you know, um, but for digital, are you driving mainly merchant activity? Or? So, so, so digital is the lower part of the funnel. So that's where we see a, a much higher return on advertising when we convert. And that's both on the merchant side and all on the consumer side. Okay. Uh, the, the brand building is just building attention. And there we then start using digital media to convert. Okay. All right. So and that is prime. That is primarily how you acquire customers on the platform. There's no other methodology. No, I assume uh, we have sales or anything like that. Um, we, even we, for, we some, hmm, sorry, I just said we have, we have a lot of, uh, uh, funny, uh, career tactics, of course, but, uh, but, uh, sure. <laughs> but this doesn't sound like the kind of business that you have a, a sales force for. I don't think that makes any sense. No, nope. unless there nope. was an enterprise level or something, um, nope. which doesn't seem to be your your uh, model. Um, okay, I, I want to get into some broader um, questions about kind of running a business um, in Africa. I mean, we the newsletter and the podcast we just we like to talk about startups that focus on SMMEs. Um, you know, obviously in tech uh to one degree or another and uh there are certain common set of challenges you know raising money <laughs> finding talent uh you know logistics uh you know there's there's common set of challenges but um when you came into this obviously you came in you sort of admittedly were a little cold on uh understanding the the african market i'm sure you've learned a lot in a short time uh, what surprised you uh the most sort of coming in? I mean, you must have had some warnings about some of the challenges, but what, what kind of caught you off guard about running a business uh, in Africa? So uh, again, if we, if we talk about, if we talk about um, uh, some of the advantages, at least of our model, again, you know, uh, not, uh, we've safeguarded us uh, self uh, a lot against uh, stuff like corruption and, you know, having, the government come after us we don't own anything you know it's really hard to to take uh, us or any of our software and and exactly we have software we have a data center in amsterdam and that's a mm -hmm. no uh, that's but but when that's been i think we spend way too much time on, on trying to safeguard us against that because that's never really been an issue of, uh, that's you're actually worried, i think you're more uh, worried about it than you needed to be is what exactly exactly um i think what uh what what we what surprised us a lot was you know when we started looking at the model and tried to figure out where the gaps were and how to to solve it with tech we we started out by just seeing this incredible chaos uh, and really not you know just thinking this would never be well how the hell are we ever gonna solve uh, this chaos with tech right mm. and then uh, i think uh, one day christian he told me uh, man uh just because we can't see it i think it doesn't mean that it's not there right uh no so i i, I think we started speaking quite a lot about uh, you know um, how things actually work uh if you just look closely enough you know uh, and really getting out of this mindset of saying that nothing worked because a lot of things work you know uh, the local Sellers, they actually knew, they always knew someone who could drive uh, or take a product and send it from A to B and figure out how to get, uh, you know, paid through M-Pesa and, 
you know, all the stuff that we're working with now was happening just, uh, you know, in, in some crazy complex ways, but they made it happen. Right. So mm -hmm. I think what has really, um, I think what, what, where, where we had a breakthrough was when we finally understood that things are working. However stupid and complex things may seem, there's a lot of things working and there's mm -hmm. a, there's an enormous will from the low, from the local guy or girl to, to succeed. Uh, and, uh, and what they were really just needing was some, some tools that could streamline uh, what they were doing. So your merchants are doing a lot of the work to make this successful. So exactly. Exactly. Okay. That's fair. So, um, again, I ask everyone this and what are the sort of the, what are the things you would like to see improve? That can be a number of things. That can be regulatory, you know, infrastructure. That can be uh, in, in the sort of the capital system. Uh, any where are some things where you you know you love to see some improvement, whether it's investment or just you know regulation or whatever it is that would make building your business easier. I think, uh, uh, of course, it's also been uh, taking some time for us to to raise our capital and i think the capital market uh, is 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 tough but more and more vcs are gonna come uh, you see uh, more and more big investments into the market now as well and of course there's going to be a dribble down effect to the ecosystem and i'm actually pretty i'm i'm, I'm pretty sure that uh, that there's a lot of uh, good time coming ahead on on on, on the capital market so i think what I, i'd really see uh, what I'm looking forward to is to start seeing tech ecosystems popping up uh, where businesses like ours can really start taking advantage of, of, of great partnerships. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it is tough for a lot of tech companies uh, having, you know, having to build uh, everything from scratch. Uh, and, and the real acceleration is once we actually start connect all the dots between the different uh, uh, tech environments that we have, I think, uh, on the continent. Um, I think as soon uh, once we we get that right, um, uh, you'll see an, a tech explosion, uh, as we saw in Asia. Okay, and I don't know if you have any sense of you know, is that a year, two years, three years? I mean, I don't know. If it's probably hard to say. I, but... I think I think it's happening now, uh, oh, and in the very near future. Um, just the past three or four years, we've been at it. Is it's crazy to see the amount of startups that that you know that um, that is just around and who succeed with some early stage funding. I think now it's it's getting some quality startups and quality companies to actually stabilize to access some degree of funding where they also can uh, think a, a bit longer term. Uh, we've spent a lot of time trying to partner with different startups where. But they didn't survive, which again, no, when, when these guys don't survive, then it's also impacting us because we, you know, right. spend a lot of time on, on, on doing some cool things that, uh, that never made it right. And that's yeah. part of, that's part of the journey and part of it. Sure. I mean, most startups fail, right. But, um, yeah. what do you think, what do you think are some of the th common mistakes that are being, I, you know, this may be universal, maybe it might be unique to Africa, but some of the common one thing I keep hearing is that companies are you know, getting a little too too diluted too soon um, uh, because they're you know they're taking the money that they can get and it's often at a low valuation and high you know high uh, stake um, and that leaves very little room for for uh, future rounds uh, so that's one thing a common thing I've heard about um, 
And that may be a, not so much a mistake, but something that you just have no choice. Yeah, uh, what are the things the, you're seeing the that are like, leading to, to startups failing too early? Um, so I, I actually think you are onto something talking about the, uh, the impacts investment uh, before. Uh, okay. I, I think there are, and again, this is personally, uh, I don't, I might step on someone's toes out there. I think there are too many. That's okay. <laughs> too, too many. Too many companies getting uh, access to to easy money too soon. Uh, and too little companies, uh, good companies, getting access to to proper VCs in the C to to, to Series A round, right? Okay. Um, so but, come but up that, with an impact story, build an, uh, a sort of a MP, <laughs> uh, you know, minimally viable uh, product, go raise a little bit of money, but there's not much there. There, that's. Too common is what you're saying. I'm exactly. putting words in your mouth. No, no, but that's that's exactly what I'm saying. Basically, okay. um, it's a it was it was incredibly easy to get access to the to the, the, the first money, and I see a lot of startups getting access to that, uh, and then it becomes harder. But hey, that's mm -hmm. that's part of it, uh, involvement. Uh, uh, um, that seems I, like a problem that works itself out over time, right? Exactly. The money exactly. gets smarter, you know, and uh, you know, and eventually you have to have a little more substance in order to get that, that yeah funding. what what was i don't know why uh, it's I, I think a lot of the companies of course they are simply lacking a, a structured ecosystem uh, still um, it's getting there you know with uh, also uh, getting uh, some uh, exits from other companies will also you know get uh, uh, build the ecosystem up better uh, mm -hmm. uh, there but other from that, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a good answer, actually. No, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I, I hear a lot, and I, I think I mentioned it when we were chatting before we started recording, um, is that it's getting really hard to, to find good engineering talent, particularly engineering talent, but maybe talent generally. Uh, and one of the, the sort of culprits for that is uh, kind of, you know, we haven't talked much about COVID, and I, I, I tend not to obsess over COVID in these conversations, but, um, you know, one of the impacts was, you know, International companies shut down their offices, and then, you know, suddenly the uh, the, the borders meant nothing, and and um, in an acceleration of pursuing talent, you know, on a global basis, that's leading to uh, higher prices of talent in Africa. Are you seeing that? And talk about how how big an impact that's having, if it is. But it's uh, it's having a massive impact. So again, as a tech company, half of our uh, staff is within our product team. Uh, and it's our biggest issue right now is to, uh, so we can't compete on global uh, rates uh, uh, at all. Uh, we have, so our guys are being offered two, three, four times the amount that we can uh, that we can pay out. So we need to compete on, on other parameters and we do lease, we do lose some of our guys uh, because, you know, it's gonna be a, a hard from a 25 year old to, to Oh, say no, no to a four x increase, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I had a few thoughts. I was thinking about this actually today because I was writing something about it, and uh, this may be a little naive, but I was thinking about a couple of things. One is the you know, Google certification program as a, as a model in my head of the idea that you know does does someone need a degree or do they need aptitude and training, right? And maybe for certain jobs, yeah, you need that engineering degree, but for others. Maybe you just need like aptitude and training. And there's an organization in South Africa called We Think Code that takes people who are under, you know, basically from underserved 
areas, but use testing to, to identify the aptitude and then provide a training program to give them, you know, qualified as full stack developers. And I'm wondering if this situation that's going on that I hear from everyone I talk to is going to lead to more investment in these kinds of programs that use non-traditional certification to create mm -hmm. a bigger talent pool. Um, I, I, that's not a thing that solves your problem tomorrow, right? But no, it might be it's something definitely that they... not. But I think it's it's something that we've seen for a while. I think Andela is, is still a good case on something that right, exactly, did work. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and hey, our CTO and he's he's the he's the best CTO I've ever worked with. He he's an educated butcher, right? So uh, so uh, of course. Um, uh, but it's not solving the problem right now. There's, there is quite a lot of talent, but it's uh, uh, just the, the couple of years we've been around. It's uh, it's been so much harder to access it, um, mm -hmm. and the pricing is it's not a big difference or discrepancy between hiring or getting a European uh, uh, engineer and a Kenyan engineer now. Um, there still is. is there still That's, is. Yeah. Great for the Kenyan engineers, right? Yeah, exactly. But it, but it, that actually you know ends up being a completely different issue for for a Kenyan company. Mm -hmm. uh, so we are we also have uh, customer success uh, uh, teams, and we have a marketing team, and you know admin team as well, right? Is so, this problem going into those areas as well, or it is, is it because there's still transparency around what the engineers are earning now, right? So now you suddenly have a junior engineer earning the same as the head of uh, customer success. And that's just creating completely different conflicts in the company, <laughs> right? So, um, yeah, it's wow. an interesting area. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think we've uh, used enough of your time, but I uh, really appreciate you coming on and chatting with us. There's a lot more I'm sure we could talk about, but... Uh, Absolutely. There's if a limit. Uh, <laughs> if you're in Nairobi one day, then uh, give me a call. I, absolutely. Well, we'll, we'll love to talk to you uh, about participating in our events in the future and uh, look forward to uh, talking further and good luck with your business. Amazing. Thanks. And uh, have a good weekend. Thanks. You too. Thank you. Bye.